Hello and welcome to another episode of 6060. We are going to continue in the same vein from last week about talking about being more Berean, but more so in in the vein of now that we understand the tools that will greatly benefit your Bible study, it'll be focusing more on the results and the benefits of being able to, to exegete the, the scriptures to strengthen your faith. Uh, one of the first points I would like to make is that when it comes to, to exegeting, as I mentioned last week, it allows the Bible to be able to speak into your life and transform you as the reader. I am a strong defender of the premise that God speaks through his word. There's people who say that he speaks audibly to them and you know, like through signs and visions and things like that. But I think the most concrete way that God most certainly talks to us is through his word. It is black and white. It's not subjective. It is completely objective. And as you come to learn more and to, to unpack more of the scriptures and the, the secrets and the mysteries that are unlocked within the text, you are you are blessed, but you are also challenged. There isn't a point where you will always come to a junction where something in the Bible upsets you or convicts you. And that's a good thing. It very much is a good thing. It, it shows that God's precepts, his standards, and the things he wants for your life are something that you should strive towards, something that you, you need to work on with the Holy Spirit to, to get towards, to be blessed even further. Because as you see in like scriptures where when, when Israel follow everything that um, God desires them to do in obedience, they're blessed, blessed in abundance. But as they begin to stray away from that, the curses arise, they're led into the captivity. Um, their lives aren't as fruitful as they used to be when they were following him in obedience. I think if you were to take a step back and just have a look at your world, you begin to understand that this is the same today as it was for the Israelites. Those who are following God's precepts, even unbelievers who follow in certain precepts and certain frameworks that God has set are blessed. Not necessarily as much as those who are born in Christians, but most definitely if they say pursue marriage and fulfill that marriage in a way that is God honouring but not necessarily honour God with their lives they will be blessed because it is a, a framework that he's made that is best for us and this works in other sections of life and I truly believe that the Bible has all the answers to our questions in early days of us setting up this podcast um, I sent out a, a questionnaire just to get an idea of who our target audience might be, but then also find out where they might be at in their spirituality. So um, there was a very, a very varying amount of questions that touched on different things just to get a better picture on what is actually going on in the mind of some of the believers um, who potentially might be listening to the show. Uh, one of the things that was quite astounding is that a large majority, probably talking about the, inter, the regions of 18 to 90 percent of these believers who profess to be born again uh, and experiencing transformation through the Holy Spirit 
and are not following Jesus faithfully actually spend less than an hour a week in their Bibles. This might not seem like a issue to some, but it does ring alarm bells because how are we able to find out more about Jesus and find out more to help strengthen our faith and to grow in faith and to grow in spiritual maturity if we are not opening up the word of God, the revelation of God that he has given us in the Bible so much so that he's orchestrated human history to run in such a way that we can draw references to enrich our lives if we're not opening that where are we what are we basing our faith on and what are we using as as a well to draw from and this is evident in the responses to some of the questions uh, from uh, some of the guys who filled out the the questionnaire they would profess to be Christians but they would align themselves with certain ideologies or methodologies or worldviews that are not consistent with the Bible and some would even go as far as to say that the faith isn't relevant to them whatsoever. Again that would ring alarm bells because if we understand that we are serving the true and living God but you said that the true and living God is false who is in error we certainly know that the the bible isn't in error because it it has there's a, a plethora of sources and potential arguments that can be used to, to back that up but it does begin to show the the condition of the heart of the person who is actually a professing to be a christian and if any of those are listening i would encourage you to take that step out and to to really reconsider where where you stand because the god we serve or the God we don't serve, works in absolutes. There's no in-betweens. I think we're all quite aware of the term of being a lukewarm Christian, a lukewarm Christian. But it is better, I would argue, that it is better for you to have a solid resolution. It's either you are totally for him or totally against him. You can't be in-between. Of course, I'd rather you not be totally against him, but if you're totally against him, that can be worked with. But if you are thinking about picking and choosing certain parts that is a serious danger uh, and a serious place to a serious place to be as a professing christian one of the other reasons why i think it's very good to to follow these tips that we explained in the last episode is because it begins to exercise and to strengthen your spirit of discernment especially in this day and age where there is a like i said before there's a lot of ideologies a lot of worldviews a lot of methodologies that are circulating around who are taking professing Christians by storm. And if you were to observe or break down these precepts, they're not actually consistent with scripture. They're not consistent with God's precepts, his standards, his um, His framework. In fact, they're like orchestrated to be in complete opposition. And we have Christians who embrace these with open arms. I think it's imperative that like I said in the last episode, that we we try everything, we test everything, try the spirit behind everything, the motive behind it all. Like I said, don't take everything that you hear on this podcast as gospel. As much as I want to share the truth with you and enrich your lives, I would certainly encourage all our listeners to go away and study it for themselves to find out that everything we're saying is true. I think it's it's certainly imperative in this postmodern age where they believe 
but the, the mindset is that truth can't fully be known it's not tangible it's very much a personal experience so what might be truth for me is truth for me what is truth for you is truth for you they might conflict but because it's encapsulating in a bit of just a na- narrative for me I can't turn around and say that objectively the truth that you hold is a lie that is something we can't hold on to as Christians Jesus said himself he is the way the truth and the life no one can go to the father except through me but we have Christians who believe that all religions hold an element of truth and there are many ways to to get to God that's completely contrary to what the Bible says and you have people out there who actively are trying to disprove the Bible the Bible can defend itself it can vindicate itself it makes references to itself and we understand especially if you hold or at least are trying to aim for a biblical worldview that there are there are reasons as to why mankind want to try and dis- disprove the Bible I would love to share some examples as to how this works in a practical sense um, but you'll find this out in our next episode where we'll be, where we'll be discussing how to defend against falsehood um, but I guess one thing I could bring in at this present time um, and I guess it's interesting because it was posted on the Instagram page and the response it's, well, it's hard to gauge what the response might have been but it may have touched the nerve in some senses that we do talk about a lot of deep things and use a lot of big words um, on this show but one thing I've certainly noticed with having conversations with other believers is that and it, it, I, I do find it a very serious thing amongst other things is that when we approach theology it's usually the knee-jerk reaction is to turn up our nose or to stay away from the arena in every way shape or form it's not considered something worth exploring it's almost like considered something a little too philosophical for those who like to stare at the navel um, or you know have their head in the clouds but in actuality every time you open your bible you are forming a theology on the god you serve if we are not using the bible correctly in a faithful manner to understand the nature of of who god is and how he works and what he desires and what his will is you will reduce the true and living God to nothing more than a cardboard cutout and furthermore the same with Jesus if we do not open the scriptures to find out more about him in a faithful manner in a way that transforms us he will not be considered the son of God in your heart he'll be a mascot who will justify the actions that you have so you become the center you become the one who's in control and Jesus has to bow to you in order to justify your way of living I would strongly urge you to if this is the sort of um, the mindset you have that uh, Jesus gives you liberty to live the way you want to live that you do sit down and think about it very carefully repent ask God to have his Holy Spirit highlight the parts in your life where you can break off and come to come to know him in his fullness the it would be very unwise or or cause for us to say very foolish to for God to orchestrate everything to have the apostles appointed 
and to fulfill in obedience everything he has asked them to do through the Holy Spirit to have the expansion of the church and through the course of human history to to touch every corner of the earth to have the manuscripts that we use to form our Bible to be translated in the language that you understand for you to then use it flippantly and think that you are okay with God that you are wise enough to be able to to put words in his mouth that in itself is a danger there are many 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 blessings that you are potentially missing out on because purely off the notion that you are sitting at the wheel and I don't want it to be a case where you come to know God when you arrive at his judgment seat and the wages of your sin are being handed to you when it comes to exegeting it actually allows you to contend for the faith and it allows you to like I said exercise discernment so you begin to hear the the nature and the spirit behind what's being told we have many 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 different both good and false preachers good and false teachers out there and it would be imperative for you to know who to who to wisely and carefully listen to and those who to completely shut out everything you baptize in yeah, baptize into your mind goes to your heart and it changes your heart and then out of the like the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks your behavior changes I would encourage you to find many I would encourage you to sift through and desire to find the truth hunt the truth down because it's only through the truth that you can truly be set free in the truth there is life there is liberty but it takes a proactive stance to to find it and to stay with it and to let nothing else touch it there are far too many references in the bible where believers are being dragged up for not being proactive enough or diligent enough in finding and holding to the truth i would use the well the church of galatia as an example you only have to read through paul's letters to them to find that due to their their lack of fervence they have allowed false brethren to come in and to try to distort the gospel and paul severely rebukes them I think we should have the same the same mentality. We need more Pauls who would, under the authority of Scripture, stand up and defend it. He said a lot of hard things, and he certainly had a very zealous um, personality as and when he needed to. He would use a serrated edge when needs be. He was also very kind and loving, but I think we, we lean on an extreme of one and not balance it between the two. You also see this when Paul... Um, enters the scene when observing Peter. When observing Peter, fellowshipping with the uh, fellowshipping with the Gentiles, and when the Jews step into the scene, he he separates himself with, from them, and then almost puts on like a a Jew personality. He was rebuked for that because that in itself became a stumbling block. He had been in ministry for several years by that point, but with him still grappling with the the beauty and the simple complexity of the gospel it led people astray we do the same thing but over over a far greater scale like i said i would certainly encourage us to to be more brain we're in a time and an age where things are getting very difficult a lot of people are are struggling a lot of people are being persecuted and the only thing that's allowed them 
to get through that is the the truth of God's word. It gives them resolution. It gives no. It gives them resolve. When you have a solid, firm foundation to stand on, you'll find that God's grace is sufficient enough to get you through, regardless of how the what the end result might be. You know that you can trust Him in life and trust Him in death. I do encourage us to to think hard, to challenge your your thought process, to challenge the the things you hold on to that are almost like idols in your life that God wants to, to drop off or replace to help continue to have you to grow into the person that he wants you to be that we, we do gird up the loins of our mind and that we don't just sit with our the minds uh, the mouth of our mind wide open to accept every window of doctrine that comes our way because it has the potential to to destroy you this might mean that you have to deconstruct your faith in a very gentle and careful manner. I would advise you to do it with um, other Christians just to, to come through. And it's not to see if anything necessarily is, is false, but just to see whether the traditions or the precepts, or the things that you hold are actually getting in the way of your spiritual growth. Um, you might find that whatever church you align yourself with or attend and serve might have things that are scripturally consistent and things that aren't being able to to look at these things yourself will certainly help especially in the wake of churches and pockets of christians bending and conforming to things that are not consistent with scripture or things that are completely against the scripture we are going to look at this further in our next episode um, which helps highlight some of the, the things that are going on specifically in evangelical circles but also in our own church community that hopefully we can get a better idea of how to tackle those things and what the what are the the weak points that are allowing these things to seep in to do the damage that they are to these churches and to throw us into disarray and into disunity um but yeah, you might you might find that your church might be holding on to things that are not biblical you'll i know certainly for myself i can say that there are things i've certainly held to that Art scriptural but you hold on to and it does get in the way of people growing in Christ it can do but we won't know this unless we we are further in trying to understand the word of God ourselves like we do have some very great preachers and teachers out there but those who are very great also encourage you to learn and study the scriptures yourself in the most faithful way possible to find the conclusions and compare it with theirs to see whether it's consistent so you can find out whether um, no, they call themselves um, fallible so they're, they're prone to error and they are aware of that and they're very honest about it but if you're not studying the scriptures yourself the next protocol will be to rely on those who are doing it themselves and you take on what they exposit but with no furtherance to what they're serving so for instance, let's say I own a store and you come in, I sell a lot of soft drinks and you ask for one at the, uh, at the bar and I, I hand it to you and as you take it from me, you get a glimpse of what's on my shelves and all the bottles behind me are look like scientific beakers, they are grey in appearance, rather, well, completely opaque, they have skull and crossbones on them, um, they're all a bit smouldering. Um, with smoke on the top but the bottle I've served you 
doesn't have any of that on. It's just a completely blank bottle. From you understanding that the bottles behind me quite usually are tied quite closely to things like poison and things that are used to kill people, you would think that the product I'm also giving you is the same. It's kind of having that sort of reverence to it. You have to make sure that everything that everybody is serving you and everything you are accepting is true and safe because just picking up any sort of harmful doctrines and teachings and stuff can be detrimental, like I've said. But um, before I waffle on any longer, I would just like to wind up with a an expert from someone from um, one of my, my favourite teachers, um, Vody Bakum, who kind of highlights why we should be fervent with the scriptures and why we should desire to know the truth of the scriptures for the benefit of our, of our spiritual walk. And then after this, yes, I guess we'll see you next week on the subject of Quid es Veritas, defending against the onslaught of falsehood. Until next week, take care and God bless. Another way is incorporating false teaching. So in the first, there are aspects of the gospel that we just won't bring forth. In the second, there are other things that we will bring into the gospel that simply are not true in an effort to compromise. This is what Paul talked about in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, was it not? When he wrote, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is the second form of compromise, where we actually bring falsehoods into our gospel. The third is failing to confront and discipline sin. A failure to confront or discipline sin. The classic example of this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, of course, where Paul says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. It's a fourth kind of compromise. And that is embracing the sinful aspects of the culture. Here's what we see in the last news story about the Episcopal Church in America. Actually compromising to the point of embracing aspects of our culture that the Bible clearly calls sinful. But what does that have to do with the letter to the church at Thyatira. Brothers and sisters, the answer is everything. Because that is precisely what is happening in the church at Thyatira. Although this church has not, to our knowledge at this point through the letter, experienced direct persecution, they are experiencing that indirect persecution that often leads to compromise. So we find here, Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. 
the longest of the seven letters. It reads, To the angel of the church of Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Just, just pause there for a moment. That's almost unthinkable. Unthinkable that there is someone in the church who is actually enticing people in the church to engage in idolatry, sexual immorality. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent in her sexual, of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, literally kidney and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a disturbing letter. These are disturbing ideas and occurrences. This is a disturbing confrontation. And it's disturbing on a number of levels. It's disturbing because of what was introduced into this church. It's disturbing because of what was being allowed in this church. But it's also disturbing in Christ's response. It is disturbing to think that there is sin in the church and that Christ says. It's disturbing to us because we think, you know, the God on the left side of the Bible is different than the God on the right side of the Bible. And the God on the right side of the Bible is, you know, lowly Jesus, meek and mild, with the sheep across his shoulders, you know hair like a shampoo model, hands that have never done a day's work, fine, beautiful, European, non-Jewish features. That guy says he's going to kill people. That's disturbing. We're, we're, we're not used to thinking about him in this way. 
We're, we're thinking about the Jesus who's, who's always twiddling his thumbs and pining away just hoping that somebody will come. That's not the picture at the end of Revelation chapter 2. And it is a bit disturbing. And yet, this is the Word of God.